0: KFCF in Fresno and online at kpfa.org. The time is now 3 p.m. Stay tuned for Stone's Throw with Jennifer Stone. Happy ending nice and tidy it's a rule I learned in school get your money every Friday the endings are the rules, so divide up those in darkness from the ones who walk in light. Jennifer Stone with Stone's Throw today is uh, October the 23rd, 2012. George McGovern has died at the age of 90, uh, one of the last significant elders, at least in my time, 90. Uh... George McGovern once said that he would go to his grave, believing that the United States would be a better country if he had been elected to the presidency in 1972, rather than that warmonger Richard Nixon. Ah, what might have been, I remember, as a young woman being told that that was not a good, uh, not a, a good thing to do. wring your hands over what might have been. Uh, what we could have, should have, would have done, but sometimes I just can't help it because history breaks the heart. Uh, remember Jimmy Carter <laughs> when he lost to Ronald Reagan? I have a picture of my kids, uh, standing in front of my little brown shingle mansion in Berkeley, a sign in the window that said, Eat the rich! And, uh, another sign that said, uh, Jelly bean is a lemon! Ha, ha! I felt the pain then. I began to feel it good. My oldest son was 20, and that lurch to the right changed my life. Uh, uh, I remember then when President Carter, President Carter, what is it? He he had those hostages there, and he didn't, oh, what is it? He didn't know what to do, and people were saying that perhaps he was weak. <laughs> His wife, Rosalind Carter, you remember Rosalind? Uh, I reviewed her book, First Lady from Plains, in the Chronicle, I recall, Rosalind says that she kept telling Jimmy to just go ahead and bomb Tehran, just do whatever was necessary to avoid a Reagan presidency. She said she'd trap him in the bathroom, you know, (laughs) and shout at him. Jimmy Carter said he had to do what was right for the country, and his wife points out that he would rather be right. Then President, yes, Jimmy Carter, lusted in his heart, you remember. In Playboy, Rosalind said, Jimmy talks too much. All those good men, uh, think of Al Gore in 2000. He thought he was doing the right thing. He wanted to, to be statesman-like. He conceded to the Supreme Court, uh, I suppose feeling that it would disrupt the country too much to, you know, go to the go to the wall with that uh, mess in Florida. I don't think that was the right thing, but I I have a lot of trouble being just a uh, know nothing uh, old beatnik. I keep thinking. Is it for the greater good of our country, you know, to uh, let men like George W. Bush arrive at the White House without a fight? I mean, we knew that he would take us into war. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, When I was a student, my little uh, verbal tick was always, you know, you know, you know. In my old age now, my mantra is, I don't know, I don't know. <laughs> anyway, I I tried to be, I tried to be light-hearted and watched that debate last night. Couldn't do it. Couldn't watch it. Two alpha males um, trying to trying to look each other in the eye. I think that Barack, I suppose. I suppose he came off as being the better man, I don't know, Uh, the least worst. I usually listen to things like those debates. I listen on the radio, Uh, and then I can give it my full attention. Radio audio allows you to hear yourself think, you know, even to hear other people think sometimes, to follow their argument. Uh... You can see without the pictures. <laughs> anyway, those two, it was necessary to turn on the TV and uh, look at the body language. Then it was possible to see what they were up to. Uh, the words, their scripts were irrelevant. Uh, some political poop. Uh, they were trying to get in their, their licks, you know, Uh the spinners, the pundits kept saying, uh, you know, they came out fighting round one, round two. Anyway, there wasn't even Orwellian doublespeak, just the empty phrases, the same old nonsense. Uh, watching them on the TV screen, I could read their, well, their discomfort, their intent, but certainly not their character, not their Ethics. Uh, I think that Barack knew that he was wearing a mask. Uh, there were some jokes after it was over about empty chairs. That was the the Clint Eastwood nonsense. Uh, actually, I I think that that is the thing that I will remember about this election: Clint Eastwood and the empty chairs. Uh, I listened to KPFA, actually, so I could hear what the other candidates had to say. All the third parties, that's a swell idea. I'm still one of those people who worry about um, third-party spoilers, but uh, that's my problem. Uh, we all know that things will change, and we will get, uh, you know, that ranked voting and um, all those good things change the electoral college change the process uh northern california is a safe place um well the whole state is safe we can indulge in third party candidates i only wish that uh the states that are up for grabs uh, that's a different matter i think the third parties should stay away from those places uh the national ticket is still too serious to fool with, folks. Uh, I can't help being intensely nervous about this election at my age. Uh, all I can see is a race between education and disaster. Just fix, fix something before it's too late. Damage control, you know. Uh, watching those two men last night... All I could think of was all the young women on this planet, uh, young women of a certain age, the age when they could become pregnant, uh, 13, 14, 15, 16. Four this morning, I was exhausted, and I heard, I think, Sherry Blair say that every day 27,000 girls... Are married against their will, and I thought, she was talking about Somalia, and I thought, is she saying in Somalia? Oh, um, uh, around the world? What? Anyway, thousands of young women uh, thrown to the wolves. Uh. Now, that stuff is real. I want a teenaged girl to sit behind every one of these men when they have their debates Marx and Lenin and the boys said we should judge a society by the position of the women in that society. I always zero in on the teenage girl. Everywhere I look, that's the person at the center of things. Whether it's that secular saint, the uh, 15-year-old Pakistani activist, um, Malala, she's in uh, London now fighting for her life in a hospital there in the UK Uh, she was shot in the head by the Taliban Uh, anyway I put her uh, uh, image on my desk and you know how that is Um, I keep thinking people will get it when they see a symbol they'll see the universality behind it and they'll connect the dots then I set up the book, Uh, let's see, J.K. Rowling's has a new novel, and her central character is an adolescent girl, another one. Now, that's a stretch. The book is called A Casual Vacancy. The girl's name is Crystal, Crystal and Malala, right, those two girls. Uh, Crystal In J.K. Rowling's book, you know J.K. Rowling, she wrote all the uh, Harry Potter books and she's made more money than any writer in history, da-da-da-da, you know, billion dollars. Anyway, in the book, Crystal is a 16-year-old Brit, a young citizen who takes a seat on her local village council, one of the members dies, there's A Casual Vacancy, title of the book, and she tries to shape her society. Uh, J.K. Rowling said that she picked the local council, the village council, because that is the the, uh, smallest political unit, the place where things start. We all know that politics is always local, it's always grassroots. Anyway, think of all these girls, the ones just old enough to become mothers, and imagine what it would be like if they didn't. At least not for a while. At least not without making a conscious choice, because their choices shape our human condition completely. Now, Barack Obama has two daughters at that critical age. Does he know? Does he know? what What is it? Not just what their choices are, but what their fate might be. Uh, I watched him at the first debate, and I thought, maybe he'd like to take those girls and move to the south of France. Get those girls, uh, Sasha and Malia, out of the United States. Where would you raise two teenage girls if you had your druthers? Iceland is nice the islands. Every society on this earth is living well or dying, sadly, on the vine. Yes, because it's young women either have a chance or because they are oppressed and exploited. A window of opportunity for change. In France, they have something called parity. It's supposed to have half the governmental offices open for women, That'll be the day. Oh, I dream of an international women's movement. Uh, There is some evidence that it's growing. Mm, Check out a television show. Call the midwife. Knocked my socks off the other night. I hadn't seen it. I saw the first two episodes, short half-hour episodes. It comes to us from the BBC. BBC. And the first two episodes were um, mind-boggling. And I wondered if they could get that show into the schools so hard, you know. Schools are so uptight. The sight of uh, a woman's body, you know, that can get you into deep trouble. Anyway, uh, I put I put, uh, Call the Midwife in my little notebook. And I put it next to another film, Al Hitchcock. you remember Alfred Hitchcock? There's a movie, a biopic, about Alfred Hitchcock's... You said Alfred? Right, Alfred, yes. Alfred Hitchcock's uh, treatment of Tippy Hedren, the beautiful young actress She was just beginning her career. He put her in the film The Birds and tortured her, uh, then she was under contract, and she had to do another film called Marnie. The TV biopic is titled The Girls on HBO. You can get it on demand if you like. Tippi uh, Hedren was interviewed saying that Hitchcock destroyed her career, but not her life. Uh I don't think she was a teenager, but she was certainly young. There's a biography by Donald Spoto about Hitchcock. I reviewed it in the 1980s, I remember, for the San Francisco Chronicle. It was mostly about Alfred Hitchcock's... Oh, golly, I I would call it sadism. Uh, <laughs> I remember, what is it? Uh, well, he... he, he he played jokes, tricks on people that I don't even want I don't even want to tell you over the year, but let let's just say Alfred Hitchcock was not the sort of person you wanna go camping with. Uh he sent Tippi Hedren a coffin with an image, a little doll that looked like her daughter, I think. He sent no, he sent it to the daughter. And I think the, the doll or the image was of Tippi Hedren anyway. He was a rat, we know all that. Um uh These horrors, these uh, hideous anecdotes, these are just indications, the muck, you know, that comes up to the surface. Uh, It's the larger picture that fascinates me, the, the depth of the misogyny and sadism and all the human cruelty that stems from our human condition. We know that women were the first class or the first individuals to be uh, exploited, oppressed, blah, blah. Uh, Yoko Ono said, woman is the nigger of the world. Male hierarchy is, of course, all the same. You know, what do we call that? The dominant submission paradigm, the master and the slave. On the other hand, uh, we know that in ancient, ancient history, it is or was the women who, I won't say ruled, but they were the center of things. The old religion taught uh, the truth about our survival. Women, woman must create the race, a whole labor force, every generation. Said so Joseph Campbell uh, has much to say about that. Yes, woman is life, man is the servant of life, da-da-da-da. The trouble is that because we are so addicted to patriarchy and white supremacy, whenever we mention motherhood, women, the assumption is that they wish to become uh, the heavy-handed rulers that uh, uh, men are now. And, of course, that's not the idea at all. An egalitarian society is not about who's the boss. Anyway... You know how it is. Women need to persuade males, almost half the race, to pitch in and work together uh, for the family. You know, uh, two two people pulling that cart. Uh, It's called community. And of course, most men do that. Otherwise, we wouldn't be here today. But enough of them don't do it uh, to make life Kind of unhappy most days. We know that the male of the species tends to go in for a success experience. (laughs) Whatever it is, you know, they don't want to be losers. They want to be heroes. Uh, They like drama. You know, daddy is an okay role if it's heroic. Uh, We're talking about egos. If they, what is it, I used to think of them as uh adolescent what do we call that uh not just um the suffering martyr or conquering hero but just the what is it the 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 person who is mirrored as larger than the rest you know uh it creates gender wars uh we know that this stuff is so old and we've talked about it so long that it's uh, almost uh, laughable these days, thrashing through all that old sad straw, but I just accept or assume that feminism is modernism. That's the way we're going. The future depends on our communal grasp of all our connections. Uh, Virginia Woolf says we must be man womanly, woman manly. It's not either or, it's both and. Basically, Our problem these days begins with the basics, that is, poverty. You know, connecting the dots, poverty, sexism, racism, all the bloody isms, they're all part of the same monster. Bertolt Brecht said, first feed the face, then talk right and wrong. Get everybody up to subsistence, levels where they don't have to fight for their food. When women, and men of course, have a subsistence income, they tend to have fewer children. They tend to take better care of them. Independent women in any culture can change that culture overnight. Independent men can do the same. Democracy cannot happen. When you have dependent relationships, you know, master slave, ah. oh, watching those two men debate last night, it was all all about who's the bigger, who's the stronger? Kid stuff, you know. Oh well, anyway, we begin with economic democracy. That takes, oh, maybe a millennium. <laughs> I couldn't help laughing while the politicians yammered and yammered about jobs, jobs, jobs. It sets my teeth on edge. My mother used to say, hard times is when the only work is woman's work. Yep, uh, the kind of work we're not paid for, the work of love. I think of that 15-year-old girl, uh, not just the one fighting for her life in London, Not just the one in J.K. Rowling's book, but all the 15-year-old girls I know. Let's say from 13 to 30, maybe. All those young women, they're thrown out on the market. They must marry. That's one job. That's jobs, 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 yes. I always said being a wife was uh, the only job I could get at some point. Anyway... Others work for minimum wage. Might as well auction them off on a, you know, on a slave auction marketplace. I remember the young women when I was teaching high school, they would always argue that they would luck out. You know, they looked at Jackie Kennedy and they thought, wow, you know. Anyway, I told them, it was possible to get a kind master, a good boss, you know, like the owners of Uncle Tom, his first owners, they were good masters, you know, like Tom Jefferson. (laughs) But the system, the system exploits. The best that a woman can find in our system is a husband who will Share and share fair. Share the duties of home and the task of earning enough income to support the children. And lucky women manage. Uh, I think, uh, you know, we have so many good folks today, both parents earning enough. Why do we have to have two incomes, though? Think about that one. We're back to poverty again. We're back to money, money, money. The great God of Moloch. Hmm. <laughs> And how, how, how can we be sure that we can keep those jobs for the years it takes to raise those children? How can we get medical insurance, go see a movie? There's a movie out there about uh, uh the medical situation. It's called The Waiting Room. It's by uh Peter Dix, I think. Check it out. It's a heartbreaking film about the... Uh, the people who are trying to survive in our age of stagnation when jobs, jobs, jobs are a joke. Uh, Of course, the best industrial nations provide for uh, a society in which there's, oh, maybe 10% unemployment. Uh, It's just the way it's going to be, folks. You know, there needs to be enough social supports, child care. What? is basically civilization. Civilization is not a frill, and depending on luck or the lottery, that's not going to do it. Uh, Globally, the fate of too many children is so dreadful, we can only anticipate the rise of sociopathic hordes, right? People whose humanity has been crushed, who don't trust their elders... Okay, the kids who can be bought for subsistence wages, boys for whom a bed, a gun, and food are the best home they can find, girls for whom life as a sex slave is the norm. The 20th century promised us such a glorious future. When I was a kid, a high school senior back in 1950, my teenage years, yes, 17, I was 17, 1950 the middle of the 20th century. They told us we were slouching towards socialism and that uh, jobs, jobs, jobs would be available to anyone who wanted one. If only I had known then what I know now, but my fate is all my own fault. I had incredible privilege. I have had more free choice than vast millions and millions of women throughout history. My shame is that I have not had the strength or the health or the the energy and oomph to create a kind of woman's United Nations. There's one in Kenya. I saw it on television. Yes, in Kenya there's a woman's village, town. Uh, fascinating. I'm going to check that out. Anyway, uh, I still dream of a kind of woman's world in which we have a justice system that takes into account all our tasks as women. I don't know how that works. Uh, If we give wages in terms of uh, need, you know, men are uh, usually given a higher wage because it is assumed they might have to support a family. My thought is that, of course, once a woman has a child her wages should double because, of course, she has to support her family and possibly even the child's father, who knows. Uh, I exaggerate. Today I meant to read, you from, read to you from the works of Martha Gellhorn. If you have a chance, uh, check out Hemingway and Gellhorn on the TV. Uh, I've picked Martha Gellhorn as my favorite woman hero, the journalist, the woman journalist of the 20th century. Uh, that's what I should have done lazy old thing that I am uh, I'll be back on the air next week at the same time this has been Jennifer Stone till then go easy and if you can't go easy go as easy as you can drop the shadow Aswat Arabic Music Ensemble presents its third concert benefiting the Middle East Children's Alliance on Sunday, October 28th, 3 to 5.30 p.m. at the Islamic Cultural Center in downtown Oakland, 1433 Madison Street. You'll hear stirring and celebratory Arabic music and dance for justice and peace, including Al-Swat Women's Ensemble and the Aoud Ensemble, plus a special solo performance for A'id. And hey, it's family-friendly. Tickets range from $10 to $50, plus $15 tickets at area bookstores. For information, go to www.meccaforpeace.org or call 510-548-0542. If you're a wheelchair user, call us and we'll assist you.